all that. Let's take a strong book and stand together. <clears throat> Let's turn to 495. 495. Brethren, we have met to worship. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with your power while we try to preach the word? Oh, you give us Of the 
run off. He was he was he was, he was ushering. <laughs> hey man, he was doing his usher work. <laughs> it's good to be in church this morning. Good to see each one of you. We got we got prayer requests this morning. Uh, y'all y'all just my wife up and she wanted to be here this morning. She woke up and, and discovered she was extremely sick in her stomach. She got the old sire sire rotten egg birth mess, and that's horrible stuff to have. It's a higher stomach. Pray for her. She gets past that. Uh, Miss Mail also pray for her. She's not feeling well this morning. She's here. We're glad she's here, but she's feeling dizzy. So I pray for her. She gets feeling better. Uh, are there others this morning we need to lift up? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. I know a Pam White. I know the same one. But maybe I need to find out. Maybe the same person I know. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We pray for you. Y'all pray for Bonnie, too. She's very sore this morning. And uh, said, she said it's extremely sore, but it don't hurt when I don't move, so I'm not moving. So, everything's okay. So, so y'all pray for her. She, she's She'll make it. She's tough. I know she'll make it. But so pray for it. It ain't feel too good in the process. Go lift Scott Dawson up for it, too. I know he needs it. Uh, he's going to, he's, he's dealing with MS. Y'all pray for him in that. Um, others this morning? Yeah, I, don't, I still don't think they've counted everything out there. I heard somebody say in Arizona that they got a box sitting over in the corner for the Republican ballot they don't want to count. They're just slow walking it because they're sad. They know they won't count. But I don't know. I don't know what you know. I might come to this conclusion. Let's just serve God and forget the rest of it. Let's just live with Jesus like 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 it's 1982, and let's just go on, alone and not worry about none of it. And if the devil gets in the way, just keep on trucking. God's more powerful than he is. I tell you, he'll do anything he can to try to stop you. I shared some of that with you this morning. He, he tried to knock me down this week. He tried to jump on me both feet. But but you know, God's bigger than all that, and we don't have to. We don't have to succumb to all the temptations and the, and the trials outside. We just keep our eyes focused on Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And if we keep our eyes on him, we can stay balanced while we walk through this world. Anything else? Anybody else? Yes, Miss Jackie. Huh? Yes. Absolutely sure will. Any others? Yep. Pray for too. All right. I bet. I guarantee you, I understand that. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> yeah, the railroad of all things. <laughs> Be praying for him, for sure. For sure. Any others? I don't know. Let's pray for God to move in here this morning. Let's pray for God to meet with us. And uh, y'all, y'all pray for us too. I was going to say we're not going to have an evening service tonight. We 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 discussed it and decided that we're going to we're going to have a kind of have a work day this afternoon. And uh, I know most of y'all notice over in the back corner of the church there's a sagging spot where the floor is completely sagging. Well, several of us are going to be trying to be brave and crawl up underneath there and, and uh, try to get that fixed this afternoon. So we've been looking at it and talking about it, and, and we ain't getting anything done looking at it and talking about it. So we. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to fish or cut bait one of the two. So we're gonna get up underneath the 
and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do that this afternoon. All right. Anything else from anybody? So we won't have tonight, we won't have evening service tonight. Okay. Anything else? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to make with us. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You be seated. Oh, 
how good heaven can be. I think sometimes we look at it as an escape, and it is. It's an escape from this world, but we need to see it as home, not as an escape, but as home. Take your Bible this morning. I want you to turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter five. We're gonna we're gonna come close to finishing that book this morning. We got another week, I'm afraid. Maybe maybe even two. I'm not exactly sure yet. But uh, it's going to be one or two more weeks we'll be here. But uh, this morning, I want us to talk on the subject of church behavior. Church behavior. What do you mean by that? Well, when we look here at this church, this is the first time these people even heard the concept of church. They didn't know what church was until Paul showed up. They didn't know what it meant to be saved. They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't know anything. So everything is new to them. So everything is starting from the start. He's giving them fresh instructions. And, everything, again, everything is brand new. So if you wanted to say, well, how is a church supposed to be? Here you go. Paul's going to give us back to basics on how a church should function and how church folks should act. act. And uh and I think we can learn something from this this morning. I think folks watching us can learn from it this morning. And I think if we'll if we'll heed it, we'll pay attention to what it's saying, and really uh, devote our our hearts and minds to this message this morning. I think it'll help us. I really do. I truly think it'll help us in our growth and in our church life. It'll help us as believers to understand how to how to uh, accomplish God's will as members of His New Testament church. So if you would, take your Bible, you there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? All right, good, that's praise God. Well, we're going to look this morning, uh, let's see, we're going to look at verses, we're going to look at verses 10 through 15, 10 through 15, actually we'll read verse 11 through 15 this morning. Okay, well let's just read, let's just start the first of the chapter and we'll read down through Verse 15. Amen? Because I know some of us ain't got a Bible reading in yet, so we'll get it. All right? Chapter 15, verse 1 through 15. I'm chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, rather. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Let, therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and breast and helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you 
and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And may the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, I come before you and I need you this morning. Lord, I, I, I don't know how to do a thing without you. Lord, there's no way that I can be a blessing to anybody without your spirit. So I pray this morning, I, as humbly as I know how, I put myself at the foot of the cross. Lord, I, I, I submit myself to you, mind, body, soul, Lord of the Spirit. I pray that it all be directed by you. Father God, I pray uh, for each and every one under the sound of my voice, whether they're in the building or whether they're listening to us online. I pray, Father, for them, the Holy Spirit of God would minister to hearts, open understandings, speak to us from the Word of God, direct us in how we're to be as believers, how we're to be as functioning church members. Father God, help me to instruct and to teach, Lord. I, I want to I want to encourage and uplift this morning. I want to help, Father. That's my heart's desire. Please put your hand on me and use me for the glory of God. Father, touch each life now. And I ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. So instructions, again, that he gives here is in verse 11. And uh, he says, just right out of the gate, Comfort yourselves together. Comfort yourselves together. Now that word comfort there is very interesting. It's a, it's a Greek word, parakletos. It, it's, it's comes from the same word we get the word paraclete. The Bible calls Jesus a paraclete. Uh, also refers to the Spirit of God as a paraclete. What does that mean, paraclete? It means the comforter. Who is the comforter? The Holy Spirit of God is the comforter. The Spirit of Christ is the comforter. He lives in us and he comforts us. He brings us comfort uh, in the Lord. And that is exactly what, in the word paraclete, uh, paracletos, it means to come alongside or to help, to come alongside, to encourage, or to strengthen. I was mentioning the other day that uh, my, my friend down in Georgia, Mark Wheeler, uh, texted me and he said, hey, I'm making a, I'm making a prayer list of the prodigals. Uh, do you have any you want me to put on there? And I told him, put every one of mine on there. Uh, they all need prayer. And I, and I told him, I said, how refreshing it is to, to have you tell me that you're going to pray for, for my kids like that. I said, that's, that's kind of like a man been in a, in a tug-of-war contest. He's been struggling. And, and, and to have somebody sit down strong behind him and say, hey, I got the rope. Well, I'm with you. That's, that's the way it is when somebody joins you and you burden and says, hey, I'm going to pray with you. They're in the struggle with you. You have their strength and they're with you. And it's a comfort to you to know, hey, I got help. I'm not alone in this. It's a boost to your psyche. It's a boost to your spirit. It's just an absolute boost all the way around to know that you've got somebody who cares and somebody who wants to, to help you in your burden and lift you up. And that's what Paul is telling these believers. You understand, again, they were pagans, they were heathens, they lived in the midst of a pagan heathen society, they did heathen pagan practices, they, they were wicked sinners, but they came to society and that world system that's around them anymore, they have stepped outside of it and said, 
said, we're not going to be a part of that anymore. They got rid of all their idolatrous practices and, and, and are suffering because of it, because the world hates them now, because it, it, the world says, oh, you think you're better than us? I guess y'all are better. Y'all think y'all are better than us. Okay, fine. Well, we're just going to make your life miserable. You know, we'll beat you up. We'll kill you. We'll throw you in jail. We'll do whatever. Because we don't like you looking down on us. Who do you think you are? That's the way the world looks at a believer. And, and that's okay. I don't care that the world looks at me like that. I don't want them to because I don't look at them that way. But I can't help the way they look at me. I can't help how they view us. But God, in the midst of this, understands that we have all we have all the world looking at us uh, with a with a with a side of us, and we don't know about you. We think there's something wrong with you. Well, God knows we need comfort in the midst of all that. And and so Paul tells them, listen, you need to comfort. Verse he says, comfort yourselves. Okay, that's the first step there. Comfort yourselves. It's a comfort yourselves together, but comfort yourselves. Listen, let me tell you something. A believer is not going to do a bit of good in this world helping anybody unless they've got it for themselves first. You won't share anything with anybody you don't get for yourselves in the place of prayer and Bible study. You need to get alone with God and let God minister to you to serve God. If you don't have the joy of the Lord functioning in your life, how could you be joyful in the Lord to anybody else? You can't. And you're going to be a pretty bad, a pretty bad advertisement for Christianity until you've got the joy of it in your heart. So he's telling them, hey, listen, give to God, get the joy of the Lord in your life, and comfort yourself. You know, the Bible talks about David did that. David encouraged himself in the Lord. What does that mean? He didn't spend time with the Lord, and, and when he spent time with him, he realized, hey, I've got, I've got God on my side, so I don't have to worry about what the man's going to do to me. I ain't got to worry about my enemies. I ain't got to worry about anybody that don't like me. Hey, listen, I'm good. I got God. So he encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's what Paul's saying to them. Go encourage yourself in the Lord. And then he said, encourage, comfort yourselves together. So that's what a church does. When we come in here, we see we're going, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. How's everything been going? We start talking. We start we start uh, mentioning burdens. And, and we comfort ourselves together. Amen? We know we've got like-minded people in this room who all love Jesus. And because we all love Jesus and because we're going to heaven and because of that love we have for Christ and we know that we're all brothers and sisters in the Lord, we have concern and care and love for one another. And we share that love in here. We share those concerns in here. And it's comforting to know you've got people that will pray for you. You've got people that will go to God for you and, 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 and cry out to God at the throne of God on your behalf. And that's a comfort. And that's what Paul is telling them. Listen, you are all you got, but you're all you need. Because you have me. And, comf- and, and listen, get together and comfort yourself together. Amen? And he said, and edify one another. And edify one another. <laughs> See, our church, our church is a body. It's a, it's, a, it's a living, breathing body. It's a family. I mean, you are my family. I mean, I, I've got family that are kin folks that are blood kin related to me. And we get together every now and then, eat a meal, and enjoy one another. But we don't get together near as much as y'all need to get together. We get together a lot more than that. We get together, I get together with my other bunch. And you know what? Most times we enjoy one another better here than I do when I get together with all them. Because they all look at me cross side-eye because I'm a preacher and they don't know what to think about me. But y'all, listen, we all, we all love the Lord here. There ain't, no, there ain't nothing in between us. And that's the way it ought to be, amen? This is a place of comfort, and we're to comfort ourselves together. It's a safe haven 
You know, you come here and nobody gonna jump on you. They better not, amen. If they do, if they do somebody else, they can straighten them out. But listen, you shouldn't get you shouldn't worry about getting jumped on at church. Amen. Unless unless you're doing something wrong and your mom and daddy get the hold of you. But uh you shouldn't worry about coming to church and somebody else attacking you. It's ought to be a safe place to come. It ought to be a hospital. It's a hospital. We come in here, we're hurting. We come in here with, with, with aches and ailments and, and pain in our heart and, 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 and disappointments. When we come in here, we ought to be able to find a place where we can find encouragement and love and, 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 and concern and all those things. And it's a shelter, a shelter from this world. Again, we come in here, we can talk about how good God is, and we can talk about the things of God and things that he has for us, and we're not bombarded by all the doom and depression of the world. This is a safe haven, a shelter from all that. It's a comfort. Amen. And the Bible tells us that. And we're to, we're to edify, uh, we're to edify yourselves and edify one another. I want to turn over to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to do a lot of turning this morning. I don't have it all lined out on my, on my iPad this morning. I had it on a piece of notebook paper, so y'all bear with me while I turn. But the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 that we're to edify one another. The Bible says, for as the body, and again, we talked about the church being a body. The Bible says, for as the body is one, the body of Christ is what we are, and the body is one has, and has many members. Well, just like my body is one body, but I've got two arms and I've got two legs and I've got one head, two ears, two eyes, and a nose and a mouth. So it's all different kinds of members that work within the framework of this body, and so is the church. And that's what the Bible says. Uh, it says, so is Christ. For, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all uh, been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, if you look down at verse 18 and follow, and he said, For now, but now have God set the members, every one of them, in the body if it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where was the body? And now, but now are they many members? But yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and the members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we restore more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have much more abundant comeliness. I can keep on going with that, but the point is this. We are all essential in the body. Every part of the body of Christ is essential. But, you know, the eyes may say, well, we're essential. We're more essential than the feet because we see. Well, how you going to go anywhere without your feet? So, I mean, you're, every part's essential. You say, well, that thumb ain't very essential. Well, cut it off and see how you pick up things for that. I mean, it's all everything. It might be a little number. It might not be as important as you put, but it's important. You know, and again, everybody within the church is important. We're all part of the body of Christ, and we're all needed to function properly. And that's what Paul's trying to stress to them. Listen. One of you is not more important than the other, and we need to all help one another to grow. That's my heart's desire as a pastor, is that everybody in here grow in the Lord. I don't want anybody to get left behind. I don't want anybody to say, well, I don't know the Bible very well. I don't want anybody to say, I just don't understand everything. Listen, I want you to get a desire. I want you to get a hunger to grow. And I, and I want, I, listen, I love it when people ask questions. I love it when people want to know stuff. I, I love it when you, when you say, hey, I, I ain't thinking this out. What does this mean? What do you think this means? Like, I love it when we put our hands together and we pray about it and we study and we find answers in the Word of God. Because that's what church was doing, grow together. We're supposed to edify or build one another up. And I find so many places people are so busy tearing one another down. It ought not be that way in the church house. We ought to be lifting one another up constantly. 
Now look at verse 12. <clears throat> verse 12, I don't lost my place. Let me get back over there. Verse 12. He said, and we beseech you, brethren, that you that you know to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. All right? He's talking about the pastors that he put in place there. Uh, this is a brand new church. Brand new. I mean, again, it's only a couple months old. Paul's writing this letter. And, and, you know, some things we need to understand here about this. I, 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 one of these things just kind of popped out at me as I was getting this ready and putting this together. <clears throat> he says, first of all, he says to know them. And, that, and that, that phrase means to have a regard for them. It means to, to cherish them or to pay attention to them. Uh, you know, and any time I preach on the subject, it's kind of, it's kind of, I kind of feel funny preaching on the preacher. And it's like, hey, y'all supposed to love me. That ain't what I'm trying to up here saying. I'm not up here saying, you better love me. I'm just trying to tell you what Paul said about the office of a pastor. What he, how you feel about me is, is, not, is not pertaining to this right here. Uh, I, I hope you love me. I hope, I hope you pray for me. I hope you, you, you care about me as your pastor. But I want you to understand, whether you do or not, I'm not going to get my feelings hurt, but I want you to understand what God says about it. Because he says you're going to know them. Uh, and he says you're going to know them. He's know them which labor among you. Uh, he said, "Know them uh, as they as they labor among you." Um, you know, it's un- unusual circumstances regarding this this church. They all got preachers around the same time. Think about that. You got preachers now. I mean, three months ago they were all a bunch of pagans. None of them knew Jesus at all. Now. Within three months, you got some of them now who are pastoring, leading the church, and others who are sitting on the beach. That that's kind of a it ain't like well, you know, our pastor, you know, we were here and then we called this pastor somewhere. No, they all knew one another. So you have you have a, a, a situation where people can get in the way of, of, of stuff like that, uh, where people say, well, I ain't gonna listen to him. I know him my whole life. I grew up with him. I don't listen to him. And, and those kind of things might have been issues, and Paul's trying to address these kind of issues and say, listen, it's not it's not like it used to be. We're in the family of God now, and God's called some of these men to, to serve among you and be your pastor. And uh, and so that's what he's trying to say. He said, you need to look at what they're doing among you. They labor among you. Uh, and, 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 and I'm saying this too. They have no formal training. They didn't send these men off to seminary for four years. Uh, you know, what did they have? They had Paul, and they had the Holy Ghost of God and the Word of God. That's all they had. They had that. And, and, and I'll tell you right there, it don't take a Bible college or a seminary to get a man fit for the pulpit. It takes God. It, that's all it takes. It takes, it, takes a, it takes a desire to learn, and it takes the Holy Ghost of God and the Word of God. And it don't hurt to have a man around you that's been, been doing it longer that'll help you and encourage you in the way. But let me tell you, a man ain't got to go off, go off no college somewhere to get ready to preach. All People care more about a man's degrees than they do his temperature. What matters is whether he's got some fire in him, not 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 whether or not he's got a, so many degrees after his name he looks like a thermometer. I mean, that, that ain't going to help anybody. I want somebody who's got some fire and some grit who won't back down to the devil and won't back down to the devil's crowd. <clears throat> but uh, he said to know them that labor among you. They work in the office of a pastor. That's their job. That, that's what God's called them to do. Not a job like a regular job, but it's, it's, a, it's an office. It's a, a position God's called them to. 
and he and he says again, he says to honor to uh, to to uh, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you again. He uses that phrase, they're over you in the Lord. That doesn't mean that they're more important than you. That doesn't mean that they have more that they have some power and authority over you. What it means is is that God established an office called the pastor. And that office of the pastor is to put a man there to watch over you. To to care about you spiritually and want you to mature spiritually and want you to grow spiritually and want you to be a success for God, wanting you to produce fruit in your life for God. That's that's what a pastor's to do. He's not to beat beat you down and browbeat you and make you feel like you're you're, you're less than, than than you are. No, no, no. And if that's the kind of person he is, then he's not to stand behind the pulpit. He's to want you to grow. He's to want you to mature. He's to want you to to uh, not only to do that, but also to invest in others and pray the next generation to come up behind you. So, and, and that's what that's what God's called us to do. And 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 then when He says well, we're over you in the Lord, that's what He means. And admonish you, admonish you means to warn you and to exhort you. And I guess look at it. Well, warning and exhorting—that's preaching. That's all that is, right? Rebuke, reprove, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's warning. And encouragement, and, and and that's what God has called a man of God to do is to preach. Now look at verse thirteen. He says to esteem them very highly in love. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. <clears throat> in other words, what he's saying is, when he says esteem them very highly in love. He's not saying we're to, we're to see them in the flesh and esteem them because of that, but we're not. I mean, listen, I don't want you to see Brandon. I want you to see Jesus when you look at me. I, I want you. I want you to see the love of God. I don't want you to see me because I'm I'm nothing. I'm just a man. I'm getting away. I want I want to get out of the way and let God shine through. And <clears throat> and I can't be what God wants me to be unless I do that. I can't be who you need me to be unless I do that. I want Christ to come through first and foremost. I want Christ's love to shine through. I want his care to shine through, his concern to come through me. He says, esteem them very highly in love. And this phrase is so important. It says, for their work's sake. It doesn't say esteem them very highly because of their pedigree. You know, was their daddy a preacher and his daddy a preacher? They come from a long line of preachers. Well, they must be a good guy. Come from a long line of preachers. Some people they look up somebody like that. Well, you know, his whole family was preachers. He's such a good preacher. That that don't that don't make somebody a good pastor because they come from a line of preachers. It's not, listen, it doesn't say esteem them very highly in love for their wardrobe sake. He's always our pastor. He just always dresses so fine. He always he, he has the finest suits and the finest shoes. Always
And Billy Sunday, he'd absolutely jump up on top of the pulpit and scream at you. You know, I mean, that's some, that's some wild man who preached down through the years. It ain't about how man looks. It ain't about how man sounds. It ain't about how. It ain't about where he went to Bible college. Bible doesn't say a single man very highly in love for where he went to Bible college. But yet, that's the way some people function in the day and time that we live in. God doesn't care about that. No, God says do it for their works' sake. Why? Because they love you. Because they want you to be. They want you to grow. They want you. They want you to come to Christ and know Him in His fullness. They want you to, to rely on God and, and receive from Him all the things that He has for you. They want to see your family grow up and, 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 and follow Christ and follow the example that you've set for them. That's why God tells you to esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. And He says, He tells them to, 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 to uh, and be at peace among yourselves. And be at peace among yourselves. Well, look there, here's what I see. Let the leader lead and the followers follow. The followers follow. Because, again, he's addressing the situation where they all started at square one again. And, and in that situation, I can see where, again, somebody might be jealous of somebody who's leading you and say, well, wait a minute. Well, how'd they get there? What did they do to deserve that? Why couldn't I do that? That's human nature. That's pride. Thing that happened in the church I pastored. I had a man in Paris who, who started stealing stealing money off the gas card. He was filling his cars up the gas. And he, he was jealous. He said, well, they pay you and preach you. And I'll do more work around here than you do. I would have got something. That was his reasoning, man. You know, that's jealousy. You know, and, and, if, he, and if he had a father, like, he'd have been happy, but he wasn't happy to follow. But God is telling us, listen, he's saying, I've got a program here. I've got a, I've got a system that works. But you know what? You need to submit to me. You need to get in there and learn. And, 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 and put your heart and your mind into learning and knowing me. And listen to the preacher and follow him because he loves you and he's trying to help you. And when we do that all together, it functions, it works. And when it works, God's plan works and you grow and your life gets better. And, and everything just works the way God wants it to. And that's what, he's, that's what Paul is telling his church. And he goes on from there in verse 14. And he says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient unto all men. There's four commands he gives in that verse. Warn, comfort, support, and be patient. First of all, he says, warn them that are unruly. Turn to Colossians chapter 1, if you want to. Colossians chapter 1. Warn them that are unruly. Well, he just got to say, he just got to say, be at peace among yourselves. Everybody get in the place that they ought to be and work together. But you know as well as I do, when you've got people, eventually you're going to run across one that don't want to go along with the program. And when you run across one that don't want to go along with the program, they cause a big commotion. It only takes one person to throw a fit in, in a church usually to, to cause problems for a lot of people. Because to go into the details, I think y'all know how it works. You got one person's unhappy, well they don't go talk to the pastor. They go find the most backslidden person in the church and they talk to that person because that person will hear them. And then them two get together and they sit and start fussing and they find somebody else that's unhappy. Well you know if you got a clique of people in the church that's unhappy and they say, We gotta get rid of that preacher, he's a problem. Before you know it, you split the church. 
things happen. And so Paul's addressing this before it ever took place there. And he says, warn them that are unruly. In, in Colossians chapter 1, verse, verse 28, he's talking about Christ. He said, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, I realize he's talking about warning them against, against judgment to come. But, but, he's, but we're to warn those in the church, the Bible says, that are unruly. What is that? Unruly means it's disorderly. Listen, we're not coming to church. But there's some people that ain't like that. They get up and they come to church and they say, they get mad at what's being said. Oh, I've got to do something about that. I've got to get rid of that preacher. I can't stand that preacher. Well, why did you come? Why did you get up and come if you was unhappy to begin with? That's the kind of people that he's talking about here. And I'm sure there were some within that church, way back yonder, who said, I don't like that guy that Paul put up there preaching. I just thought, I'm going to fix that. i got to do something. i got to call. So he said, listen, the rest of y'all in there, I mean, go to that person and say, listen, we're trying to serve God here. You know, if you don't like pastor, pray for him. It's just, listen, be good to him. He'll be good to you. Listen, maybe, maybe he'll go on this. Pray for him. Maybe God give him some better messages to preach or something if you don't like what he's preaching. But God wants, God wants church to function. God wants his church to be people that love one another and, 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 and respect one another and and that protect the, protect the group as a whole. I mean, we're, we're here together. We're, we're, we're moving through this world together, and we're headed somewhere. Amen? And, and it's important that we keep our eyes on Jesus, and we not put our eyes on ourselves and each other and cause problems. So he's saying we need to warn them that are unruly. And then he goes on, he says, he says comfort the feeble man. I read that first time, and I thought, well, that's, that's folks is losing it a little bit, you know? Ain't all there. They feeble But that's not what God's saying there. First time I read that, that's what I said. It doesn't mean that. It means the same thing. Because, you know, there were some, they some in that church in Thessalonica. I mean, you know, they were strong. I mean, they they, they, they ready to take on whatever. Listen, whatever we got to suffer, whatever we got to deal with, we'll do it. doesn't matter. We're going home. We're headed home. Heaven is our goal. We, we got to die for Christ, so be it. And there were some other things that went, we don't want to die. We don't want to get hurt. Uh, what do you mean we got to suffer? We don't want to suffer. Those are the ones Paul's referring to. There are always going to be babies in a church as long as people are winning souls. There's always going to be young ones in the church. And sometimes within the young ones, there are those who are, who are not as strong as the Lord in their spirits. And God tells us not to just ignore that. Oh, they get over it. No, we're to, we're to literally take an interest in them and try to help them to come only with us. It's so important that we realize that we're not a bunch of little islands in here. We are a church body together. That's the way Paul describes it. An arm and an eye and a foot. All these things are connected. We're all part of each other. And, and individually we can do something, but we can only do something. A limited amount, but together we function perfectly as a body when we're all working together. And that's why it's so 
If everything about you functions, but your hand was crazy, and all of a sudden your hand reaches out to slap people individually of yourself. Or your hand reaches out and picks up things and steals things individually of yourself. How miserable. That gets you in trouble in a hurry. Well, imagine how that functions within a church. When you've got a group of believers that love God or serve God, you've got one that's out bad and doing things that, that bring shame on the church. I'm not saying we have that. But Paul was trying to address that because he, he didn't want that to, to, uh, to uh, harm the church that, that God had led him to start there. So he said, you know, you know, warn those that are unruly and comfort those that are faint-hearted or feeble-minded and, and support the weak, he said. Acts 20.35. Support the weak. <clears throat> he said, I've showed you all things, how that so laboring, you ought to support the weak and remember the words the Lord Jesus said. Uh, the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I believe we're supposed to help those who are struggling. I believe we're supposed to help. And, I, and he may have been talking about uh, financial means or, or just trying to help uh, making a bill or something. He may have been discussing that back in Acts. But I believe here in, in, in 1 Thessalonians, He's looking at it a little bit differently. He's looking at it uh, as a support the weak. He's talking about those who have a weak testimony or weak in their decision-making. Again, you get a a young believer that God has not yet convicted about all the things in their life that he's going to convict them about as they grow. You may have somebody in the church So how do you deal with that? Do you ignore it? Do you just, just say, oh, well, it's no big deal. They'll figure it out eventually. No, God tells us we're to support them. Now, support them does not mean go along with what they're doing. Support means that well, it's just kind of like you have, well, what we're going to do after we get out of here? We're going to go up underneath the church. We've got a part of our church floor that's sagging. It's not, it doesn't have support under it. And because of it, it's unstable. And if we don't get supports under there, you know what's going to eventually happen? It's going to fall in. So we've got to put supports under that, and that's exactly what you need to do when you've got a weak church member. In other words, instead of everybody turning and looking at them and going, ooh, what's wrong with you? We need to, in love, go to them and undergird them with love and support so that they don't collapse in their Christian life. Does that make sense? That's what God would have us to do as believers. That's what a church does. That's how a church grows and functions and gets stronger. We love and care one for another. And then he says in, in the last part of verse 14, that we're to be patient toward all men. Be patient toward all men. I'm so glad God was patient with me. Boy, I, I was such a nod, and I'm still a nodhead. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still a little bit of a nodhead. I, I still learn the hard way sometimes, but I'm getting better. Praise God. Years will do that to you, but God was very patient. I, I, I was a very impressionable child. When I say impressionable, I mean, you know, I, I went. My daddy carried me to see Urban Cowboy when I was ten, which I had no business going to see that. But, but I, I didn't want to come out of there. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to be a cowboy, and I wanted to ride mechanical bulls. I wanted to, and I knew I could do it. I saw Rocky. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to be a fighter. I was that way as a kid. You know, I'd watch Superman. I thought I could jump over the house. I mean, I was just that way as a child. Well, 
had to grow out of that. <laughs> and, you know, it took me a long time. I thought, I, when I was a young man, I thought I was a rock and roll singer, and I tried to be one for many years. I mean, I was stupid. I chased after stupid dreams and things that I thought I could do that, that God had no intention of me doing. And, you know, all along, God didn't want me to sing rock and roll. God didn't want me to play country music. God wanted me to preach. And God was patient with me, and he and He allowed me to go through a lot of heartache and a lot of sorrow and troubles that I brought upon myself in order to show me that those are not the right paths for me. God was very patient. He didn't write me off. No, he waited, and he and he and he he loved me through all that, and he brought me to the point where I saw it like a prodigal son in the hog pen. I came to myself. I realized that I was destroying my own life, and that I needed to put it into his hands. And if I did that, he could take care of it and make me into what he wanted me to be. And that's exactly what I did. And that's what Paul is trying to tell his church here. Look, you may have some around you that are not strong. They may be a little bit unruly. They may be a little feeble-minded. They may be a little weak, but be patient. Be patient. Listen, that's the future. Be patient with it. Babies make messes. That's one thing I know for sure. Babies will tear stuff up, and they don't even know they tore it up. So you tell them. Uh, you know, little kids, they get into things that they shouldn't get into. And, and believers... When they first get saved, they don't know everything they know in Christian life. They don't know how to walk like God wants them to walk. And we, as, as, as folks who have been saved for a good long while, we need to understand that. They're not going to make every choice perfectly. And when they don't, we're not to beat them up and make them feel like losers and worthless and make them not want to ever come back to church with us again. We need to, uh, and boy, you go into some places and that's the way people treat you. You make one mistake and you're done. You're toast here. Nobody will have you here anymore. That's not how God's church is to function. No, we're to love people. People need people need second and third and fourth and fifth chance. God gave me more than that, way more than that. I know he gave you more than that too. So God's the only spirit seriously is just be patient with all men. You know that don't just mean people go to church with? That means people that you meet on the street. That means people that are that are really to you. I was telling you about the, the guy that, that I had the issue with this week. You know? I tried to go back yesterday and, and write him an apology that I didn't know him. Cause it, just because I wanted to see things the right way instead of things being wrong. Of course, he cussed me out, and I said, okay, fine, bye. And that's the end of it. I'm not going to go back again. But I tried to fix it. Why? Because my heart wants things to be right. Because because I want to be patient. Because I remember that guy. I remember that boy that I used to hang out on the playground with that we used to have fun together. And I, I don't know what's happened in 30 years since then, but my heart aches for him. Even though he cussed me like a dog, I'm a heartache for him. You know? And, and, and that's the way a Christian ought to be toward other people. When you see people hurting, you ought to hurt with them. And not say, get up there or go on and get out of my way. You ought to feel like, you know what? That's somebody's mama. That's somebody's daddy, that's somebody's son, that's somebody's daughter, and God loves it. And I need to have a little bit more patience than to see them as somebody in my way who's an aggravation of me. God help us. Church behavior is important. And it ain't just important within these four walls. It's important outside these four walls. Verse 15, I'm almost done. It says, see that none render evil evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and unto all men. Don't render evil 
for evil. Romans 12. Turn over real quickly with me. Romans chapter 12. I think you know what this says, but I'm going to read it anyway. I know it might not. Romans 12, verse 17 through 21. Don't render evil for evil. Romans 12, 7 through 21. The Bible says recompense, that means pay back to no man evil for evil. So you hurt me. I'm going to hurt you, sucker. No, that is, God said don't do that. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Don't do nobody dirty. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. I, I see that God put claws in there because he knows that there's going to be times when no matter what you try to do, you can't live peaceably with somebody because they won't let you. But he says, if it be possible, that's on your part, not the other person. That's, God's not speaking to that other person when he says, if it be possible. He's saying on your part, if it be possible. If you tried everything you knew to do and it still didn't work out, okay, well, it wasn't possible. As much as life in you. Don't make no difference how they act. God's talking to the believer. He says, hey, as much as life in you, you have the Spirit of God within you. You have God's presence within you, so don't know. I just couldn't control myself. You could have if you'd let God have it. So if you turn it over to God and say, God, these things this person's saying to me, it, it don't really matter because I know these things aren't true. So, Lord, I'm just going to pray for them. I'm going to love them and, and pray for them and, and ask you to, to uh, work in their life and change their heart. You know, God worked with me a while back about that, about praying for my enemy. And I try to make it a point every time I pray to pray for my enemy and, and to love them, even though they hate me. You know, learning to love your enemies is hard, but once you do, it's, it's so freeing. You don't carry that no more. You don't carry that weight, that, that ugh, animosity in you anymore. When you, when you love people that hate you, number one, it, it, it totally blows them up. The Bible says it's like fire on top of a man's head. It just burns him up. They don't know what to do. Why are they being nice to me? I hate their guts. I don't understand. Why do they keep being nice to me? It'll just make a person absolutely crazy. And that's the best revenge you can ever have, to love somebody who hates you. Don't render evil for evil. Again, Romans 12, I was there when I got off of it. Again, he says, in verse 17, recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. That means you need to be you need to be a Christian no matter what nobody what anybody else does, because you know what everything is done in the sight of all men. What we do, we live our lives in the, in the view of the rest of the world. And if we're living our life in such a way that we're not bringing glory to God, we're bringing shame on Him. Everybody's seeing it, and God God is not pleased with that. He says in verse 19, avenge not yourselves. Don't take revenge into your own hands, but rather give place unto wrath. Let it go, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Let's look at that. I will repay, saith the Lord. God says, you don't have to get them. Okay? They may have Thank you. 
use him, God might just drop a bomb on them. God might bring something in their life bigger than you would have done. You don't know how God's going to handle it, but God might break their wheel and they might get saved. You don't know how it's going to happen, but I can promise you this. God will handle it so much better than you ever would have. And that's why God don't want you to get involved, because you don't know what you're doing. And you'll only cause a bigger mess. And he just tells us to stay out of it, amen. And, and, and he said, I'll take care of it. I'll pray. Hey, let me go. I'm your father. I love you. I'll handle this. He says, therefore, if any if an enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him a drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That separates us from the rest of the world. The world don't do it like that. We're the only ones that do. Amen. And those are the marks of our Father that we bear. Amen. See then that none render evil unto evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. So he said, and I'm going to close on this thing. Paul saying, listen, believers, the world wants you. You can't count on the world to build you up. You're going to have to do that from within. You're going to have to look to me. You're going to have to rely on me. You're going to have to lean on me. And what you get from me, you take and give to one another. And you and you take that and you you rejoice in that and you and you feed off of that and you grow by that and you take that strength and you don't you don't abuse that strength. You take that strength and you and you break it down for those who are weak so that they can they can feed them a little bit and they can grow thereby. And you keep bringing them along and you keep bringing them along and, and you keep, you keep helping those who are struggling and lifting them up because not only are people within the church watching you, but people outside the church are watching you. You're an example everywhere you go. See that you do it right and ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. There ain't nothing worse than a church with a bad reputation. When people bring that name of the church up, everybody goes, oh, I wouldn't go down there. I don't want to be that church. I want to be the church where people people say, hey,
what I'm going to urge you to do this morning.
We do need him every single hour and all the minutes in between. There's never a time we don't need him. I, I tell you, I don't know if you do it, but I ought to do it every single day I live. As soon as I open my eyes, my first thought ought to be to pray. I don't always do that, but I get convicted when I think about it. But I ought to start off in the day, my first thought with prayer, because it was him that woke me up. It was him that kept, it was him that kept the lung, and my lungs pumping that air in and out, and my heart beating that blood through the veins. You know, all I have is because of him. And I owe him every bit of the thanks for all of it. And we don't never need to forget that. Amen. God pray for us as we uh, get ready to take care of this stuff and try to get this fixed. Pray we don't have any accidents. Nobody loses any limbs or fingers or anything like that. And, uh, and we don't get pinched. But I think other than that, we should be. Nobody gets spider bit. Other than that's one of the things. And, and, and nobody nobody tries to hurt themselves getting away from something like that. But other than that, we should be fine. But uh, I pray you have a good afternoon. The Lord bless you. And, uh, again, y'all pray for us. Any word from anybody before we dismiss? All right. But I love you, and I appreciate every one of you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. That's God bless us. Donnie, dismiss
You might get a pop, right? You need to get a pop. I need to go back there. 